This is Kelly. This is Jen. This is Heather. And you're listening to Whiskey Cats. Yay! <laughs> In this episode of Whiskey Cats, we welcome home our weary traveler and taste a bottle from Japan. We discuss the Great Whiskey Rebellion, whiskey collecting, and the threat of sudden oak death. Have a listen. Welcome back, time traveler. Thank you. Where were you? Why were you gone so long? I know. It feels like I was gone for months. And what did you bring us? Most importantly, what did you bring us? Well, first of all, I would have liked to bring you more things. Let me start with a warning to our listeners. Mm. So I was in Japan, Yokohama, Kyoto, up to Hokkaido on the North Island, and then down to Tokyo. We drank a lot of whiskey along the way. We saw and, some Instagrams. Yes, and everyone that I talked to in the bars, I was like, or at the at the liquor stores, I was like, oh, we should buy some bottles now. And everyone told me, no, no, don't buy it now. There's plenty in the duty-free. The duty-free is stocked. Don't worry, don't worry. And I arrived after two weeks of traveling at Narita Airport to find zero Japanese whiskey in the duty-free. It was all imported. We got some panic texts. Oh, There's God. no whiskey. There's no whiskey. <laughs> I was like so <laughs> upset. Oh my gosh. But luckily, my husband was flying out of a different airport. And so I frantically texted him and said, Oh God, if you're still there, please buy look. Yeah, buy whatever you can find. Here's my list of priorities um, scotch, <laughs> Irish, bourbon, oh my God. whatever, just buy it. I was know. like, well, there was like, that's the thing in Narita. There was plenty of scotch, plenty of weird Irish whiskeys, but most of which we've all seen in DC, nothing that we had had in Japan, like none of the Japanese whiskeys, but Alex found one <laughs> whiskey <laughs> at Haneda airport. So number one, fly in and out of Haneda. Don't fly in and out of Narita. Of the Nika coffee grain whiskey. So it's coffee spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y, which is not coffee like the coffee beans. Uh, Coffee is a type of still. It's a Scottish sort of tiered still um, that the... That's right. There's a picture on the back. Oh, look at that. Didn't even notice it. It's a type of still. It's like this very multi-leveled thing that these distillers... On Hokkaido, I love that this is from the North Island, which was really our favorite place in Japan. They imported from Scotland in like the 30s to make their whiskey. And so the Nika people make a few. This is the grain. They call it grain, quote unquote. It's all corn. Hmm. And they also make one that is malt. So this is, we had a, we had one of the Nikas um, out, which was the, we had a single malt, um, the, um, the Miyaga Kyo. Uh, in a bar somewhere, but I have not had this one, which is all corn and uh, made in the coffee still. So that's what I brought you. What did you think of the the single malt? It wasn't bad. A little smoky, a little spicy. So we had we had one of the, another Nika, this the single malt. We had this one called the Ichiro's Chichibu, and then the classic Suntory yellow mm-hmm. label, mm-hmm. which was the best. Really? Oh, it was the, it was like. Oh, Bill Murray. I know. (laughs) It was really the best one. Like, smooth, totally easy drinking. Everywhere we went, that was, like, our favorite. 
And I will also say it's actually hard. We walked into a number of whiskey bars that didn't have Japanese whiskey. Wow. They were really into Scotch and Irish hmm. whiskeys. Like that wow. was the sort of cool, like, cause we tried to go to the bars that the locals go to mm-hmm. and the locals all drink Irish whiskey wow. and scotch. Okay. So it was it was kind of funny. Like it was mostly the hotel bars and then this one in Kyoto where we had like they had like every Japanese whiskey possible. Hmm. But most places had the scotch and the Irish whiskey. It was interesting. But we haven't tried this one. And so I think you should Lucky Yes. Let's yeah. try it now. Lucky Yes. Let's try it now. It's this crazy smoky color. It's yeah. like yeah. very dark. It almost it's like a an orange with like a green tint to it. I don't know how to describe that, but it's got like that stormy, cloudy, storminess, cloudiness to it. Yeah. That must be partly the glass. Yeah, I was gonna say it must be the the glass that's smoky. Oh, it oh, is. Oh, the glass that's smoky. Ooh, sorry. Oh yeah. Yep. Fascinating. I wonder why they chose to have a glass that doesn't show the the color oh. of the whiskey. Cheers. Yeah. I missed you, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Mm, that's got a bite to it, but super sweet up front. You know, from from the potency of the like the ethanol, when I smell it, I wasn't expecting for me it's it's really smooth. It's a lot smoother than I thought it was gonna be. Right, that's yeah. For sure. like, yeah. That's got a bite to it. I feel like it feels super sweet on the front of my tongue, mm-hmm. but then it burns later. Hmm. My throat. I don't know. It's pretty aggressive all yeah. the way down. It's like, it is kind of sweet and it's got a bite. It's got a huge nose. Yeah. Huge nose. But it's, but it is kind of smooth too. It's like, it's kind of both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, 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 under, I understand what you're saying. Like it's, there's a lot happening. Yeah. It's really thick. Look at the legs on the glass. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen one like that. Mm. Wow, I don't know how it I is, feel about it. It is very sweet. Like it's it's but it's not I'm, I'm trying to think of like what the sweet is. It's not a bourbon. Like it's not like a mapley mm. caramely sweet, but it's like a it is a high sweet. It's closer to a fructose. Like mm-hmm. it's got some sort of I don't want to say it's not orange, but it's like it's mm. closer to that a citrusy. Yeah. yeah. Like it like almost like an acidic sweetness, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Man, the note, like, I just put my nose near it and <laughs> I'm just breathing in fumes from it. Wow, I'm going to let that sit for a little bit. I feel that's intense. And, like, the 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 spice on the back is very, like, it's there for me, but it's not, it's not hitting me hard. Like, it's, like, overall, it, it feels very smooth. It feels, I mean, mine's starting to open up and it feels smoother and smoother. But it is thick. It's it like, is thick, it's, yeah. It's like a... I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's thick in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting sweeter and sweeter the more that it opens up to. Like, it's like the range of sweetness is broadening into like, Mm. almost like the full bar of sweetness. Like, now I do taste a little like, almost like Mm maple-y. Like, not quite caramel. Like, it's not like a burnt kind of, you know. But it's got that little bit of, like, very natural sweetness, almost to the fructose. But it feels like it has, it just was really broadly sweet. Wow, that's intense. That is not what I expected. And, and I kind of like it. Yeah, it's... I, I don't know if I could have... I think I could have, like, one glass, mm-hmm. and then I would be done. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a kick in the pants for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I haven't had something with that much of an intense upfront. It's really like over. Yeah. Like I can feel you my nose stop is like smelling. It. I, I just stop smelling it. <laughs> but I keep like pulling it up to drink, and I'm like, oh god. Also, <laughs> like I had a like a smaller pour, and I just like waved it around for yeah. a minute, and it, it's kind of like gone. I like it more as I drink it. I wouldn't have guessed that it's all corn. No, it doesn't have that that corn, like a, a typical bourbon mm-hmm. corn flavor to it at, at all. And I don't know how. There's not a lot of information about you know, how long it's aged and how any of that stuff. I wonder if there's any regulation for Japanese whiskey, like it has to be aged for a certain amount of time or does it give any information about like what, what it was aged in? Nope. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'll work on translating this bottle. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And it's very pretty. I have to say mm-hmm. it's, it's very modern and, and very peach colored label, mm-hmm. but it's very like, Typographic, you know, it looks like it was made with a typewriter, kind mm-hmm. of. And how much did the bottle go for? Uh, 5,400 yen, which uh, at today's exchange is about $53. That doesn't seem terrible. No. And then, and I think you can can get this in the States. I was seeing mm-hmm. seeing this advertised on Caskers. I get, like, Caskers Daily email, so... Um, and it was it was highlighted in the, one of their recent emails to me. Hmm. Oh, So I have, yeah, I have no science corner because, but I do have this uh, oak story. Yeah, tell us about wood. I'm always happy to tell you about wood, Mm -hmm. Kelly. Thank you. Uh, And you're the woman for the job. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is a story about diseased wood. Oh, no. (laughs) So it's a disease called sudden oak death that is uh, taking over parts of California. Oh, no. It's really too bad. It's been slowly happening this this uh, aggressive pathogen that is similar to what caused the irish potato famine it's like the same kind of disease wow. and it's it's developed it's been like slowly developing in oak trees in california so it's not affecting eastern oak which is actually where most whiskey barrel oak comes from but scientists are keeping their eye on it and so basically what it does is it like it causes an oak tree to develop sores that sucks all the sap out and then causes it to die slowly. It's really sad. What? It's kind of a horrible disease. <laughs> so it's not really sudden, more as... Well, sudden for a tree. Sudden for a tree, I think. And so, like they, this article, uh, which was in Popular Science, describes it as uh, the worst parts of plague and leprosy, but for trees. Jesus. <laughs> it's really sad. So... Um, there are 40,000 acres of dead or dying trees in the Northwest alone. And so what they're worried about is over the next 15 years that it's going to get a lot worse. And it's really a problem because the demand for barrels is going up so much. Mm, right. Um, because urban is getting, is, you know, not getting, but is growing in popularity. But this, this is basically a warning that, you know, it's not really hitting the, the Eastern Oak trees for now. And so there's a lot of re- like money being thrown into research to figure out what's going on and try to stop it from happening so that it doesn't spread to the Eastern Oaks because then it would be like a mega problem. Yeah. Does it say how it's being spread? Through the water. So through streams. So they're picking it up through their roots. Oh, wow. Um, so they're, that's how they are testing to see where it's going is that they're actually testing the waters for pathogens to see if 
it's making its way away from the trees without having to sample the trees directly. They can measure it in the water that uh, basically hydrate the trees. Wow. That's terrible. It's terrible. Although, I'm not going to lie, I'm like an 11 out of 10 when you uh, do the prick test on how allergic I am to oak trees. Yep. So I'm also not going to cry river. No, that's terrible. I don't, I don't want oak trees to die. No, but because oak. you want your you want your bourbon, so you, you yeah, don't want I know. oak trees to die. Oak and tree also, sex not also makes me want to claw my eyes out. Yeah. So I totally feel you. But the pain is worth it, ladies. It's worth it. Oh my god. Because on the other end is bourbon. The Ask me after these six months of allergy shots. <laughs> uh, so that's my sad hmm. science news. Pray for the trees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, and more happier, happier news. Oh. I have an article that outlines a little bit, just touches the surface of how you can go about starting your rare whiskey collection. Oh, oh. well, do tell. So it does outline and touch the surface again of how you can go about collecting, but it, that's not the gist of the actual article. It just shows um, how rare whiskey collectors go about it themselves. So I'm sure there are other tips and tricks that they're going to keep to themselves and not share mm. in a nice little article for everyone to also go out and scourge the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the article is called The High-Priced World of Rare Whiskey, and it interviews Bill Thomas, um, our very own owner of Jack Rose Dining Saloon mm-hmm. here in D.C., and it says that he has 4,500 bottles of whiskey at his house. So wow. at his house alone. 4,500 bottles. Holy shit. As part of... Didn't he, like, inherit a collection from some... Um, It doesn't say. Mm. It's unclear uh, in the article about whether or not he inherited them. They don't go into how Mm -hmm. he came about his 4,500 bottles. But they also say that he has nearly 2,700 bottles at Jack Rose. Uh, So that does not include the 4,500 at his house. Jeez, that's... (laughs) such an enormous where, collection it's crazy <laughs> well like what bill, if you're can we can we party with bill <laughs> <laughs> can you like just, i'm over. just trying to picture like where would you store it put yeah mm-hmm. like what is your i think you just have to buy you have to buy like, a house for your whiskey collection yeah, yeah. a just, full basement just for the whiskey yeah. two store i like i don't know yeah no. more than that and so in despite that his collection is is somewhat rare and and pretty rare uh it said that he'll basically open any bottle anytime anywhere just like whatever just drink it whiskey's for drinking that's awesome. you're gonna have to open it i appreciate that so yeah. back to the partying with bill situation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly uh, and it said that on the night that this um kylie culp was the writer for this article said visited him they tasted an array of old and rare whiskeys worth about seven thousand dollars total oh my god it's insane i want it and I mean, I think we're working on it. We've got our own, like, you know, I wouldn't say rare collection, but we're we're, we're, we're getting our own little whiskey getting. collection. I agree. We have shelves. We have shelves. People shelves. occasionally call us for opinion on. It's true, you know. It's very true. True. We're almost Bill. <laughs> so close. <laughs> mini, mini so bills. Close. Teeny tiny bills. Um, and so, and there's actually an increase because we've seen there's an increase in demand in bourbon and scotch and whiskey. There's now amongst collectors sort of this clamoring of, Oh my God, I have to go and get everything right now because there's this increase in Mm. interest. And so if they don't as collectors go and get it, then people who are not collectors are going to stumble upon it Mm -hmm. and not 
necessarily say appreciate what they have. Right. Um, and I'm also editorializing a lot of this article. So um, just take that with a grain of salt as well. And so then they go into uh, how you actually go about starting your own collection for rare, uh, rare and unusual whiskeys. The most common and easiest to find are limited edition bottling from modern distillers that contain rare or experimental liquor. And I'm using air quotes around experimental. And basically what that means is distillers will put out special bottles around occasions and they, they say in the article like around the uh, holidays or in particular Father's Day to sort of get interest, um, you know, put point interest toward the distiller to say, hey, we're doing this special thing. And so not only do you sell this bottle, but you sell all of your other bottles. And then so once you get the collectors interested in, you know, this special edition bottle, it's they may you know, get them all to help sort of drive the price up. And it will also help on the secondary market. So if a bunch of collectors sell, like buy out their special edition, then it means it's going to fetch a pretty price on the secondary market. Mm -hmm. There were, just to bring this back to Japan for one second, sure. there were some, um, in some of the liquor stores in Kyoto, they had, it looks like Suntory had made like a special edition for the their cherry blossom, their annual cherry blossom Ooh. festival, like these beautiful bottles with like <gasps> blossoms all over it, but uh, they were like $650 oh, bottles. Um, but they were be like, I would imagine like if, right. if we had got one of those, that probably would be, that would be awesome. Awesome man. to have and, and would age really well and go well, up and super money. rich and buying. Our I know. <laughs> I thought about it too. I was like, can I spend six fifty on it? No, you cannot. <laughs> So in six, $650 is like kind of maybe the low starting point oh, for, for, real. <laughs> for collectors. As I say, basically the most expensive bottle right now is the McKellen's new 65-year-old single malt, which sells for $35,000 a bottle if you can get your hands on one of the only 300 allocated for the U.S. It's a year of my college education. That's insane. So that's that is one special edition. So you can imagine after all the three hundred are gone for the U.S., that the thirty five thousand dollars is going to go skyrocket on the mm. second secondary market. I feel like one day we could be like six hundred fifty bottle of whiskey kind of rich, but we're never going to be thirty five thousand dollar kind of no. Yeah. So the second way that you can go about it is. Uh, looking for bottles and barrels from distilleries that are no longer around. Mm. So they're, they're called ghost distilleries. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> and so while the distilleries might be gone, uh, obviously whiskey takes a long time to Where's age. that distillery? It ghosted on me. <laughs> <laughs> And so while the distillery might be gone, there obviously whiskey ages for a long time. And so if the distillery is gone, there's often barrels left over who are, that are still aging. And so you can try and find a barrel or someone bottling those barrels. Um, Diageo is actually bottling a number of what they call orphaned barrels um, under their aptly named Orphan Barrel Whiskey Distilling Company brand. And so they will bottle, you know, whatever they find in like random warehouses and such. And That's not called Johnny Drum. 
Maybe. It, it could be. Sorry, throwback for our, for our deep cut <laughs> listeners. Season one. Season one, way back. Um, and one of their recent offerings from under that brand was a 20-year-old Barter House bourbon, which was found in an old Stitzel Weller warehouse in Louisville. How, would, how do you get the job of, like, cruising around and looking for barrels? Like... What is the process for even finding that stuff? I would kind of love that. It's like... I think you just have to be Ken Burns, right? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, like, Angela Lansbury, but I think Ken Burns would also Probably do Probably a yeah, mishmash of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I want that job. And then the, the other way you go about it is basically asking your friends and neighbors and grandparents and great-grandparents because they're always going to yeah they're always going to have a bottle that they never opened from their great uncle whoever Kelly, and they just left it there do you have a bottle that's left over from your great uncle whoever <laughs> that you want to donate uh, to our collection no i don't but oh. I might have yeah. some for my mom because <gasps> she like i made her pack everything and i was like that one like weird like um irish like jug it's like a jug like a ceramic jug yeah. in fact i broke the cork on it because i tried to open it and it just like broke in half when wow. i tried to open it but if you use like a corkscrew you could pop that right out of there it might be nasty but yeah. i told her i was like don't Worth you dare throw that away oh yeah totally uh, and that's what um bill basically says he's like you know you never know what you're gonna get when you when you get something from someone's personal collection from long ago Mm -hmm. that they have no idea what it is or where it came from Um, and his anecdote was that he just bought uh, when this article ran three bottles of a 1913 American whiskey by Pennsylvania Gibson Distillery that were in the original wooden crates he purchased them for $250 each and he was basically like yep it's totally a gamble I thought I was maybe going to be throwing $750 down the toilet but they opened it and tried it that when the article when they were interviewing for the article and they said it was great it was totally not bad not a bad whiskey needed a little filtering but Wow. I mean, because it can last forever. I mean, mm-hmm. it really can, like hundreds of years or, you know, at least a hundred, I yeah. think. And now they're going to turn around and sell that for like dollar, well, dollar, 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 dollar. Maybe, dollars. but this guy has his own $7,000, wait, $7,000 7, 7, bottle. 4,500 bottles at his house. 4,500 bottles at his house. 2,700 yeah. bottles at Jack Rose. Right. But so not dollar amount, but yeah. number Just of bottles. Number of yeah. individual bottles. Insane. Oh, well, right. That's, that's what it was, that they opened, opened like $7,000 worth of, yeah, just mm-hmm. for the interview. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, one day, Whiskey Cats. Yeah. <laughs> the Whiskey Cat life. <sighs> yeah. Well, speaking of cash, cash, cash. Yes. Uh, who's our favorite American forefather right now? Hamilton! Hamilton! Alex <laughs> <laughs> Uh... As you know about Alexander Hamilton, he was the first Treasury Secretary, which means he liked to tax shit. Yep. Including whiskey. Boo. We would not be a fan of Mr. Hamilton if he were alive right now. True. And taxing our whiskey. We still love you. That's true. So, uh, I guess I could say happy anniversary um, (laughs) of the Whiskey Rebellion, (laughs) 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 which was... When he first taxed um, the shit out of whiskey, really all spirits, but the truth is if you tax, in fact, as we learned last week, Americans don't drink really, they, they, we don't really drink anything but whiskey. Um, so if you tax spirits, you're, ta- you're taxing whiskey. Mm. Um, and so it became known as the whiskey, um, well, the whiskey tax, and then the whiskey rebellion, the whiskey insurrection, whatever you want to call it. 
you could just like step that right up until you know the, the whiskey slaughter. I don't know. <laughs> I like whiskey and That's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, so you know, you know, people like. This was way back in the late 1700s. People used to use whiskey um, literally as what they would, you know, purchase things for. It was not always, people wouldn't always use cash. They would use whiskey um, or, or related spirits. So if you were to um, hightail it down to Washington County, Pennsylvania, mm. you could turn feather people because I guess that's what they do for fun in Washington County in Pennsylvania during... Still? During... Oh. <laughs> wait, wait for it. Not literally. Not literally, but as a part of this, you know, part of the party for the anniversary of the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, because they were one of the people who, like, rose up and were like, no, you're not going to tax our whiskey. Yeah, they Pennsylvania. Were like, Way to yeah. go. They stood up for it. Um, it was kind of like, well, we're just going to, whatever. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. and. <laughs> It, whatever it's history and then thomas jefferson got into office and re- repealed it so there that's your quick two minute lesson in american history <laughs> part of his hatred of hamilton the rivalry oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. carries on forever yeah get the soundtrack for 25 dollars you'll learn all about it <laughs> i think what i love the most is that um apparently they hang alexander mm. hamilton's portrait upside down yeah you're right that that is a good yeah, yeah. Nice. Upside down. And, and they still, still today, mm-hmm. in the two government buildings because they hate him so much for That's, taxing the whiskey. That's awesome. <laughs> Way to go, Washington County. Yeah. <sighs> That's oh. awesome. We can go tar and feather somebody next year, I guess, <laughs> after we see Hamilton in here. <laughs> that's a good after show activity. <laughs> So that's it for another episode of Whiskey Cats. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at whiskeycats.com or again, email us at whiskeycatspodcast at gmail.com. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at whiskey underscore cats. And if you want to call us with a question or a comment or a whiskey story or any of those things, you can call us at 202-760-2009. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Honey, baby, won't you cuddle near? That sweet mama whisper in your ear. I'm wild about that thing. It makes me laugh and sing. Give it to me, Papa. I'm wild about that thing. It's not a cork at all. <laughs>